mercy and his grace are unending. I want to welcome each of you to High Point Church this morning. So glad to have you here, worshiping with us in the presence of the Lord. If you're a first-time guest, let me give you a very special welcome. We're delighted to have you with us and glad you chose to come and worship with us here this morning. What a privilege it is to be in the presence of the Lord. I do want to take a moment and encourage everyone to get, in, get involved in the Christmas Child Program. You will be blessed beyond measure, and uh, you'll be doing much for many by getting involved in this program and being a part of it. Uh, it's, it's so simple to be such an awesome and outstanding blessing to so many, and uh, what a privilege it is to be able to be a part of that. And I want to encourage you to do so and get in that program. Amen. Amen. I could just, I have the tendency this morning, I guess my first impulse is just to say ditto to everything Brother David thought this morning, let's pray and go home. There's no question in my mind the theme of this service this morning. There's no question in my mind that the Lord is speaking to somebody here today. Perhaps it's me. I don't know. Could be. The Word of God is quick, powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. As those of us who teach and preach swing the sword of the Word of God, it also cuts coming back. Amen. So it is. Uh, it could be just for that today. I invite your attention this morning to Jeremiah chapter 29. I like to read verses 11 through 14. I'm going to preach a message I entitled, Staying with the Plan. And uh, I have been so busy. In fact, I worked six days this week, and I have not even had a chance to look at the Sunday school lesson, so I had no idea this morning when I got here what Brother Dave was going to be teaching about. Sister Audrey and I haven't talked this week, so I had no idea what she was going to put in the bulletin. She had no idea what I was going to preach. And I thought at first, and the uh, Lord gave me this thought early on in the week and praying about it and reading the Bible and, and uh, thinking about these things, I thought, it's just so different than what I've been preaching and what I've been, you know, am I on the right track here? Well, the Lord has confirmed that beyond measure this morning. So if you'll bear with me for a few moments, I'll share with you what the Lord has given to me, and, and uh, we'll see what he does with it today. Uh, pastor friend and I were in a general discussion last weekend. We had gone to dinner together regarding some various changes that we have seen in several of our religious movements of our day, and including the so-called Pentecostals. And in our discussion, while we both expressed the need for change within our thinking and our approach in many areas of, of ministry, we both concluded that there's one major concern that we both feel and express in this hour and we live, and that is the observation that so many believers have the tendency to go to extremes in their thinking. and in their actions and in their beliefs. Times change, society changes, cultures change, but God's Word remains the same. Amen. God's plan was established from the foundation of the world. It has not changed. His plan for the redemption of humanity has not changed one iota. In thousands of years. So in all of our conversation and solving all the world's problems, we just simply come to the conclusion in our discussion 
that we just need to stay in the Word of God and keep the pendulum of our lives in the middle of the road and don't swing to extremes. Amen. Amen. The Word of God does not swing to extremes. Amen. Shall we read? Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 14. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Let me stop right there. There's a lot of discussion going on in the political arena today about hope. They don't have a clue. The only hope we have is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I know we desire the best out of our political leaders, and we hope that they'll serve us well when they... Uh, I'll be careful here. But the reality of it is, the only hope that you and I have and know and the world has is in the promise of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me read on. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Amen. Amen. Throughout Scripture, we find repeated references to God's people seeking after Him. We're going to pray in just a moment. Implied in these passages is a quest for God that includes a level of intensity beyond what we, what might be termed ordinary prayer. The word search along with the phrase with all your heart suggests an earnestness that borders on desperation. Amen? When we want something bad enough, we'll almost go after it with an with a, with a attitude of desperation. The word search, Hebrew, derash, suggests a following after or a close pursuit of a desired objective. It also implies a diligence in the searching process. For example, in 2, Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 15 and 2, Azariah promised the promises that the Lord will be with His people if they do what? Seek after Him. Another indicator of God's emphasis on intensity and diligence in prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for this day. I thank You for the opportunity we have been afforded today to gather together here to worship You for this short space of time. I pray that Your will and purpose would be accomplished here this morning. Anoint this messenger and this vessel today as we are used as an instrument for You. Anoint each of us to receive and we'll give You the praise and the thanks for it all. It is in Jesus' name that we ask it. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Look at someone close by and tell them we've got to stick with a plan. We've got to stick with the plan. And you may be seated. My wife will tell you, and many others that know me very well, that I'm an individual that likes to stick to the plan and don't like folks to deviate from it. I'm the type of individual who thinks through, devises a plan, and then stays with that plan. In fact, it troubles me when the managers who work for me develop a plan and a strategy to accomplish a certain goal, and then in the process they just start making changes to that plan without any solid reasoning. 
They just felt like it one day. Poor management. Poor direction. And I understand there are times when a plan needs to be reevaluated and possibly some adjustments and changes made depending on the circumstances. We understand that. I'm, I'm not so narrow-minded and so narrow-focused that I don't understand once in a while we've got to step back, we've got to evaluate the situation, and we might need to make some adjustments. However, indecisiveness or double-mindedness, as the Bible calls it, gets people in trouble. Amen. It flat gets people in trouble. In my opinion, Jesus Christ is saying to the church today, while in the process of living your lives and in the process of living for me, stay with the plan that I instituted before the foundation of the world and don't leave it. Amen? You see, there was a plan for man's redemption set in motion. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That tells me that God knows the beginning from the end. He knew where man would be hundreds and thousands of years down the road after his creation. And Jesus Christ was that Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He set in motion a plan for man's redemption before there ever was a world. Amen. Even in the midst of this chaotic world in which we live, the plan remains the same. Times change, seasons change, cultures change, but the plan of God remains the same. You see, nothing takes God by surprise. He's not surprised about the situation in our world today. He's seen it thousands of years ago. Go like this, whether you want to or not. It's the way it is. He's seen it thousands of years ago. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross to offer and take the sins of the world upon His shoulders to give us redemption. Amen. He's a master planner. I said, God is a master planner. He doesn't do things just happenstance or just, just, just off the cuff. He is a master planner. In fact, Joseph discovered this truth. When family and friends turn against you and your friends let you down and you end up in trouble, Jesus Christ still has a plan for you. Joseph learned that. Looking back on the events of his life, Joseph could say to his brothers one day, as they stood there finally reunited after many, many years, his father thinking all of these years that he was gone and he would never see his son Joseph again, and his brothers thought that he was gone. He said, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. God had a plan. He still has a plan. Amen. When your situation seems too hard to handle and downright impossible to explain, remind yourself that God said, I know the plans I have for you. I'll be the first to admit sometimes I look around and say, God, what are you doing? I don't understand what's taking place. But then I have to remind myself, He knows, I know the plans that He has for me. 
Perhaps it is that some of us are just not sure God has made up his mind about us. Could it be? So we keep trying to earn his favor. We keep trying to earn his smiling face. Let me just simply say, if you fall into that category, just give it up. He loves us so much that he gave his all that we might live. Amen. The song that says, you know, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. You can personalize that with the reality that when Jesus Christ hung suspended between heaven and earth, that you and you alone were on his mind. Receive the truth that God, for Jesus Christ's sake, has determined to bless you and I, to love you and I, to support you and I, to give us what we have need of, to guide us, to be your constant friend. You see, there's nothing the enemy devises against you that God hasn't already made a way of escape. In fact, the word of God, God bears that out. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is what? He's faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. What a promise. What a promise. In the midst of all of this chaotic world that we live in, in the midst of the uncertainties, and in the midst of financial corruption, and in the midst of financial uh, devastation, He still has a plan, and He already has a way of escape. Amen. There are three observations I'd like to share with you. First of all, in time of testing, we discover just how faithful God really is. Great, as the song says, is thy faithfulness. The second thing is, Jesus Christ knows what we can handle. Now, oftentimes, I think I'm going to break. I think I've just had more than I can take. But he knows what I can handle. Amen? The third thing is God will make a way so we can exit this season stronger and ready for what he has next. Amen? So let's stay with the plan. The fact that we have a problem is a sign that we have a promise. I'm going to give you a minute to think about that one. The fact of the matter is the fact that we have a problem is a sign that we have a promise. It's only a matter of time before our great God and Savior reveals a solution. Amen. Amen. So we must stay with the plan. The Word of God records these words found in Matthew 27 and 46. It says, It's about the ninth hour. Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama zabachthani. That is to say, that is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, it's important to understand Jesus knew from the beginning that Judas would betray him. 
Yet Judas did not stop him from staying with the plan. He came with a mission and with a purpose, and he stuck to it, to the letter. Jesus could have summoned 12 legions of angels to assist him at any moment. He could have annihilated the countryside, turned it into a dust bowl, and slipped across the night skies out through the Milky Way, and no one would have ever known what happened to him. But he didn't call on them. And for you mathematicians, that is 72,000 angels in light of the fact that a Roman legion is 6,000. I know the old song says he could have called 10,000 angels. However, that's incorrect. Just for the record. Roman legion is 6,000. says he could have called 12 legions. In my math, that's 72,000. Amen? Under the weight of the cross... And the sins of the world, Jesus cried out, Eli, Eli, lama zabachthani. Perhaps this is because he understood this was all part of the plan for him. He told Pilate, you're only... Pilate tried to get him to understand, you know, I have the power to set you free. Jesus told him, there's no power been given to you but that which comes from my Father. You don't have the power to do anything, Pilate. It's all in the hands of Almighty God. Amen? In fact, His words, God, where are you, teach us that first of all, we can be in God's plan and yet at times feel overwhelmed alone. Just because you feel overwhelmed alone does not constitute you've been, you've, you're a sinner or you've done something wrong or you've, you, you, you failed somehow. It doesn't mean that at all. The second thing is when God doesn't answer, we must stand on the word that He has already given us. Amen? And third, the pain of this season will eventually give way to the joy God has awaiting us on the other side of it. Can you say amen? So let's stay with the plan. That's what disciples do. Amen? That's what disciples do. In fact, the very word disciple means disciplined. It means discipline. It means staying with the plan when you're under attack. It teaches us how to function when we don't feel like it. How many of you just have some days you just don't feel like functioning? They're getting more frequent. You didn't need to say that. They're getting more frequent the days that I just don't feel like I want to function. And the alarm goes off and I said, dude, do I have to? Four o'clock this morning when that alarm went off, I said, you've got to be kidding me. I just laid down. It teaches us how to function when we don't feel like it. The enemy will come against the plan of God in our life because that plan is like a hedge of protection around us. Amen? And as long as we stay in God's plan, nothing that the enemy does can destroy us. Oh, the Bible says, the psalmist said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous can run into and be saved. The plan is, I've got a hiding place. 
When the battle gets too heated for me, I can run into that strong tower where I can find a refuge. He's a rock in a weary land. He's a fortress. He's a high tower. He's all of these things that, that we need in these times of trouble. Amen. So when we feel like we've reached the end of our rope, you just can't seem to hold on. You've got the knot holding on to the knot as tight as you can hold on to it, and you just can't seem to go any further. We need to do perhaps what Jesus did and pray, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Not my will, but thine be done. Lord, I'm trusting you to do what I cannot do. I'm trusting you to bring me through this. Here it is. Here's this whole mess, this whole situation. Here it is. I give it to you. I'm tired of it. I'm disgusted with it. I've tried to analyze it, dissect it. I've tried to figure it all out, and here it is. I'm turning it over to you. My life, my future, and all is in your hands. How many of you remember praying when you first come to Jesus? I said, Lord, I'll be, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Be honest now. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll be whatever you want me to be. Mm -hmm. I am yours. You're mine. Perhaps we need to renew that. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 29, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Y'all remember that scene in the Bible in Matthew? Peter was a great man of God, but he was very impetuous. Like many of us, he oftentimes spoke and stepped out before thinking. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Open mouth and insert foot, you know, you know what I'm saying. So <clears throat> Peter sees this man walking on the water and says to him, if you're if you're Jesus, if you're the Christ, summon me to come out there. So Peter, he comes out of the boat, and he walks out on the water to go to Jesus. Now Peter proved, and I bring this up to point something out to you. Peter proved that as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ and stay with the plan, we won't go under. Peter made one tragic mistake in his little journey from the boat out to see Jesus, and that's when the winds were blowing and got boisterous, he took his eyes off of Jesus and got to looking at the circumstances around him, and the first thing you know, whew, he's going down. Now, here's something I want you to notice. Before you get into something, make certain it's God's will for you. Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come on. Come on out here. Amen? However, before you take on something like water walking, I suggest you pray and be sure that God is in it. You'll drown if He's not. Amen? In other words, get God's plan for you and stay with it. Second thing I want you to notice is that don't expect everyone in the boat to go with you. Them boys on the boat saying, you go, go away, Peter. I'm not going out there. 
You're crazy, man. You're out of your mind. You're going to drown, Peter. No, I'm not. That's Jesus. He said, come on out. I'm going. Come on, go with me, boys. Nobody. You're on your own. So don't expect everybody in the boat to go with you. You see, water walking is a lonely calling. It sets you apart from those who are timid and security-minded. It also tends to bring criticism from those who think you're making them look bad by contrast. Look at that, Peter. Who's he thinking? I got smart Ellie. He's out there thinking, showing off. Like he's some spiritual big shot. Third, third thing I want you to notice, if you wait for good weather, I'm going to tell you right now, you'll miss your moment. If you wait until everything's just lined up and everything's just perfect and so-so, you're going to miss it. When Jesus said, come, they were in the middle of a storm. The boat was a-rocking and the waves were coming up over the side and the wind was a-howling and blowing. and They were in the middle of a storm. Face it, we'd all like the stars to line up. Planets all align and everything just be perfect before we step out and do anything and we stick to the plan. But in reality, how often does that happen? You see, here's the thing. If you forget everything else I'm saying to you this morning, don't forget this. Peter was not walking on the water. He was walking on the Word. The simple word that the Creator, the Master Himself, said, Come. If there would have been nothing below His feet but thin air, He would have walked on air. Because Jesus gave the word. Amen. So let me ask you this. What has God called you to do in this hour of uncertainty, an hour of desperation we see in the lives of so many today? Many out here in the world this very day are watching as their portfolios shrivel to zero. Thinking that all was well, thinking that everything was in good shape, putting their hope and their trust and their confidence in the things of man are left many with nothing. So whatever God has called you to do, stop waiting for the ideal conditions and start doing it. Amen? There's folks out there today that need a word of encouragement from you. There's folks out there today that need for somebody to tell them Jesus Christ is still the answer. Obviously, man and man's plans and his future is not. But Jesus Christ is the answer. He's the hope of all hopes. He's the only one we can put our trust, our confidence, and our hope in And as they say, go to the bank with it. The, the last, next thing I want you to notice is don't expect 
or don't expect a mistake-free performance. You're going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. Nobody walks without fluctuation. You ever watch folks walk? Go to the mall. You, you owe yourself a treat. Go down to the mall, grab a bench right out there in the middle of the mall, and watch people walk. You will laugh yourself off the bench. That everybody walks to the fluctuation. In fact, if I got everybody up in the congregation right now and have them walk around the building, everybody's walk would be different. Everybody's walk have a different fluctuation. Nobody walks without fluctuation. So don't expect mistake-free performance. The Bible describes its heroes in one sentence. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 34 says, Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. You need to inscribe that on your refrigerator door. We probably want to put it on a piece of paper first. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. You see, all the great men and women of God you have admired through the years have gone through sinking spells when they simply cried out, Lord, save me. And you know what? He did. And he does. And he'll do the same for you and I. I had a gentleman ask me last week. He, he's got a lot invested in the stock market. And he's telling me about all his, some of the, some of the, the way some of his stocks have fallen off. And he's taken, in one week, he took like a $50,000 hit. And uh, he said, I, what am I going to do? Preacher, what am I going to do? You better put your hope in something besides the New York Stock Exchange, friend. You better put your hope in Jesus Christ because you haven't seen anything yet. Amen. God has a plan for the human race. He has a plan for humanity. He has a plan for redemption. We are part of that plan. You see, Peter didn't walk on the water all by himself. He did it, obviously, with Jesus Christ. And today, contrary to what many are teaching, listen to me now for the next few moments. I'm about done. Contrary to what many are teaching, Jesus Christ invites us to walk with him and experience his miracles. I said, experience his miracles. Perhaps the question remains, and I've been asked this question, why don't we see more signs and wonders and miracles in our lives today? I preach, as your pastor, that the church is the same church that was founded and born at Pentecost. I preach that the Holy Ghost is the same today as it was then. I believe and preach on the authority of the Word of God that He has not changed. 
this church came in with the glorious thunder and the victorious praise, and it's going to lead that way. Now, if we don't get with the program, we may not be part of it, but it's going to lead that way. Amen? And I'm inclined to believe that if signs and wonders, and I know they say, well, you know, that was to validate the authority and the power of the apostles of the early church. I understand their point of view, but let me tell you this, friend. The same Jesus that Paul preached about and prayed to is the same Jesus I pray to and preach about. And my Bible says to me, I believe Brother David used this scripture earlier today, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen? With that question in mind, I close this morning. Here are four things I want you to consider. First of all, and perhaps this is the answer to why we in our estimation, don't see some of the signs and wonders that we hope to see. Oftentimes, we simply do not pray and believe God for them. Jesus said this in John 15 and 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, that's internalization of the word of God now, my words abide in you. You'll do what? You will ask that. You understand now there's a qualifier on this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Meeting those two qualifications means that we can ask what we will. You see, our prayers give the Lord Jesus Christ an invitation and an entry point, if you will, and a cha channel through which His miraculous power can flow to change our circumstances. We must extend the invitation. Here it is, Lord Jesus. I don't know what to do with it. It's way beyond my scope of intellectual ability. Here, it's yours. Would you please do something with it? Amen? However, when we do pray, we must believe God will do it. The second thing is, many people today think that the day of miracles has passed. That's rubbish. The Scriptures declare, as I mentioned a moment ago, Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why would the day of miracles be gone? Nobody answer that for me. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, why would He have respect of persons to those in the early church do signs and wonders and miracles and not for us? Whoa, that doesn't make much sense, does it? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? In reality, there never has been a day of miracles. Put the psalm books away. Put them away. Don't throw them psalm books out. Listen to me. There's only a God of miracles. Huh. He's performed miracles from creation. What do you mean a day of miracles? The Bible is one miracle after another. I'm looking at the faces of miracles right here this morning. 
The fact that you were able to get out of bed this morning and stand up on your feet is a miracle. As I mature, I'm understanding more the reality of that. Somebody told me the other day I didn't look a day over 45. I gave him a $20 tip. There's never been a day of miracles, but there is only a God of miracles. He's a miracle every day. He's a miracle every day. And He never changes. He never changes. So let's let's not limit what God can do. Paul said He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can even ask or think. You can't let your imagination go far enough to outdo what God can accomplish. You just can't. It's not, it's not in our cranial cavity to get, that, to get there. The third thing is oftentimes we allow sin to sabotage our confidence. We feel inadequate, unworthy, so forth. But John writes in 1 John chapter 3 and verses 21 and 22, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Mm, mm, mm. John also said in another place, My little children are writing you, just sin not. Don't go out and sin just because we live in a dispensation of grace. Don't go out and live any way you want to just because we are abundant partakers of God's grace. But he said, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He also said another place, if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Amen. And then John says here, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. If you've put it under the blood, leave it under the blood and approach the throne of grace with confidence. Amen. You are his child. You have been bought by his blood. He gave all that you might live and have the hope of eternal redemption. You can have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, John went on to say, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Amen. Finally, as the musicians make their way forward, the most common mistake that so many of us make is this. Oftentimes we look at the situation instead of the Savior and our faith 
begins to falter. 